Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. This is episode 37 of the American Muslim Experience. My name is Zaki Hassan, and joining me again is Pervez Ahmed. Yes, once again. Uh, how are you? Yeah, the way I said that, that made it sound like I was like, like you're a burden. <laughs> I, I, I should apologize. I'm like, here he is again. I don't mean no. it that way, of course. No, I, meant I, it in, I meant it happily, with a smile, like, again! <laughs> well, that sounded right. like a sarcastic happy. I, yeah, I mean it sincerely. Yeah. Or, or it's just like it's just like a marriage where you know you're, you're just kind of like yeah we, we've been in this relationship long enough where you know. and and now it's it's past the point where we have mutual affection now it's just we tolerate each other is that exactly. what you're yeah right is it all coming out on the show on our air <laughs> that's right we are airing our dirty laundry are you literally. trying to tell me something Pervez? <laughs> the papers are in the mail um, but yeah uh, the uh, yeah, <laughs> and with that, Ramadan Mubarak, everybody. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, episode thirty-seven, also known as our uh, special Ramadan feature, and special it is uh, because we got to talk to two very, very cool people. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to kind of uh, leave, or, or I'm sorry, not leave. We wanted to start Ramadan with uh, with uh, kind of a special uh, or, or special conversations uh, with two very special guests and. We wanted to kind of highlight and focus on um, sort of the, the totality of the Ramadan experience and that being uh, a physical experience, but at the same time, obviously, a very spiritual and, uh, you know, mentally engaging, uh, you know, endeavor and exercise as well. So experience as well. So that's kind of that was sort of the, the I think, the uh, impetus for why we kind of wanted to do it this way. Um, right, Zaki? I think so. And, you know, there it, it just so happens that uh, one of our guests we've been wanting to have on for a long time and the other guest we've been wanting to have back for a long time. So. Right, right. So we got our uh, we, we got two Ramadan wishes. It's a Ramadan miracle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We should we should definitely coin that or that should be part of the American Muslim experience. Right. I mean, we yeah, have our own. If we've got Miracle on 34th Street, we've got to have a Miracle on, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we'll think it through and we'll get back to you. Clearly. Yeah. But Ramadan miracles are abound. Uh, and so, yeah, we certainly wish our listeners the very best uh, of the Ramadan seasons. Uh, that is those who do fast in Ramadan. And, um, and uh, you know, um, best of luck to you through these, uh, I imagine, hot summer months, regardless of where you are. But, and, uh, and with that, I mean, let's let's talk about our first guest, and and we turn to Imam Tahir Anwar to really give us a sense of how to approach the days of Ramadan from a spiritual perspective, because of course it's it's about more than just fasting. There is the the devotional component of it, and I, both Pervez and I, were, were lucky enough to to sit with Imam Tahir in uh, Masjid Al Mustafa in San Francisco, or sorry, in San Jose, and. Um, Really, I, I really enjoyed this conversation because I was genuinely so much enlightenment in the, mm -hmm. the perspective that he offered on something that, you know, we tend to think of as very, very strict in terms of what you are supposed to do and how you are supposed to uh, act during this month. That's right. And I think the theme um, that runs through, I think, both of the conversations that we were able to have w was that how do, how, how do we optimize you know, and, and maximize, um, you know, the benefits that we can accrue in this month. So that's, that was sort of the, uh, I think overarching kind of, um, you know, 
uh, theme, I guess, or, 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 uh, you know, yeah, a theme that in terms of what we talked about with both of the guests. And and for those of you who don't know, so Imam Tahir Anwar, he's 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 an Imam. He's a teacher, an activist, a husband, a father, and as he says, most importantly, a servant of Allah. He was born in London, England, and he's lived in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1983. So upon completing his religious studies in India, he's been serving as the Imam of one of the oldest masjids in the country, the Islamic Center of San Jose, since 2000. And I think uh, he has recently moved on, and he's sort of um, an Imam at large now. That's right. He's the religious director at uh, a nearby community uh, of um, uh, in in the East Bay. So, so he he's he he's he travels, and and we were able to catch him uh, while he was in San Jose. But what follows is our conversation with Imam Tahir Anwar about the spiritual component of Ramadan. So yeah, we're uh, joined by uh, Imam Tahir. Uh, super excited to have uh, Imam Tahir on. I know Zaki and I, we, we've talked about having Imam Tahir on for a very long from, time. From the beginning. I from think. the very beginning, yeah, exactly. Um, so Imam Tahir, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, it's good to have you here. Um, and uh, yeah, we just want to kind of uh, talk to you about Ramadan, get your thoughts. Um, by the time people are listening to this, yeah. it will be Ramadan okay. for many of them. And I'm sure for a lot of people, the, the question is, how do you get the most out of your experience uh, during uh, during your fasting and your uh, non-fasting? Sure. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. So there's, uh, you know, when we when we think of Ramadan, there different people are able to do different things. So first of all, everyone is fasting. So everyone that's able to fast is is fasting. Um, the most important thing with fasting is that how can we increase the level of our fasting? So as Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi reminds us the famous you know, levels of fasting, and he says the first level is simply refraining from eating and drinking, which is you know, the case for most people. You, know, you have a nice healthy suhoor in the morning and so your day goes by and sure you get thirsty and maybe a little hungry as well towards the end of the day, but then that's the point of fasting, you're supposed to feel it. Um, but when he, he talks about the second category, and the second cate- category is refraining uh, from everything that is forbidden, not just eating and drinking. So, you know, refraining from uh, vain talk, refraining from things that we shouldn't be listening to, refraining from seeing things that we shouldn't be seeing, um, refraining from doing things that we shouldn't be doing. So anything that you may consider to be questionable, doubtful, you know, staying away from that. So as you're at work with friends, family, you know, when you're speaking, um, speak less. Um, don't lie. Um, uh, don't make things up. Um, you know, when we talk about listening, increase your listening of, of Quran, of lectures, rather than maybe uh, music because you know a lot of people we, we listen to music on a, on a regular basis and maybe Ramadan is a time when we kind of take a fast from that as well because music and some of the most you know more modern music can be uh, somewhat questionable mm-hmm. so there's that and then and then you know the, the other level of the next level of fasting is that when we are in all consciousness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. so we're just with Allah and like that's all that's on our mind so that's that's when it comes to fast, you know. It's like make your fast, make the quality of your day. Don't don't just let it be being hungry and thirsty. Mm-hmm. Make it more than that. Hmm. Um, so that's 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 the fast, you know. That you know how how do you get through the day with fasting? So making suhoor and so on and so forth. 
Now, as you talk about, as we as we get to the the um, elements of ibadah, or how do you spend your day, if yeah. I may, in, in, during during Ramadan, and that is that ideally we should wake up a little early in the morning with enough time to get our suhoor in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we generally, because of the short nights, sometimes we wake up uh, pretty late. Yeah, uh, you know, with just a few minutes left. And uh, ideally wake up with, with some time so that you can comfortably do your suhoor. And I like to remind myself and others that, you know, because at suhoor time there's only so much time that we have, we should help each other out, you know, mm-hmm. help each other set the table, put things, you know, because sometimes we live in families where, um, you know, the wife ends up doing everything. Right. And so, you know, as as people who are residents of the house and people who are going to benefit from the meal, let's help our wives out mm-hmm. and say, hey, what can I do? Can I set the table? Can I help you make something or warm something or whatever it is? But have your suhoor, complete your suhoor. I, I want, I'm reminded of a hadith, and I've been mentioning this more and more. There's that hadith where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that when the adhan goes, even if the morsel of food is in your mouth, you should complete it, right. which is fine. But as we're reminded, and, and uh, Sheikh uh, Faraz Khan mentions this in the footnotes of the Ascent of Felicity, that the adhan that is being referred to in that hadith is not the adhan of Fajr. This was an adhan called prior to Salat al-Fajr to indi- indicate that it was the end of the suhoor time and Fajr is coming in soon. So let's be conscious of that. Let's not eat until the very, very, very last minute. Hmm. Um, that, you know, give yourself about 5-10 minutes before the time of Fajr so that you've completed eating and drinking and whatnot. I also like to tell people that we should make tahajjud every morning. It's mm-hmm. Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Even if you've prayed your witr, and this is something, this is uh, this is in regards to fiqh, but I, I won't get into the details, but even if you have already prayed your Salatul Witr in the masjid or prayed it at home, you can and should continue to pray your Tahajjud or your qiyam, whatever you want to call it. So make your suhoor, make wudu, give yourself maybe 5-10 minutes before fajr so that you can get in at least 2-4 to four rak'ahs of qiyam of tahajjud every single day. And then as the time for fajr comes in, if you can, it is convenient, you may have to go a little out of your way, attempt to pray Salat al-Fajr in the masjid. So go to the masjid for fajr. Um, come back after Salat al-Fajr and then do whatever you have to. As far as the rest of your day, um, pray your salah as much as you can um, at the masjid if possible. If it's not possible at the masjid, then at least in congregation. If not in congregation, um, then at least, you know, pray by yourself. And in addition to the fadl prayers, Try to pray the sunnah prayers associated to the fara'id as well. I mean, it's Ramadan. Your rewards are increased. This is a time to be with Allah. So trying to keep that in mind as well as you get through the course of the day. I'll come to iftar in a moment. Mm -hmm. But before I get there, one of the things that we should do increasingly during the month of Ramadan is the recitation of the Qur'an. And, you know, we like to study the Qur'an. We like to understand the Qur'an. Um, I've always been taught that the month of Ramadan is a time to develop a relationship with the Qur'an, but that the recitation should be increased during this month. The rest of the year, 
is for the understanding and learning the Qur'an, but the month of Ramadan is for the recitation of the Qur'an. And as one of our shuyukh recently reminded us, and he said that when you increase your recitation of the Qur'an, your heart starts to become clean. Mm -hmm. Your heart starts to become soft. So that when you do learn the message of the Qur'an, that message is able to penetrate into your heart easily, right? Quickly. Because your heart has been, your spiritual heart has been prepared to receive and adapt and adopt that message. So, again, I, I'm not of the opinion where I tell people where, how much you should recite, because it's not about how much you recite, it's about how much time you spend reciting. A person may spend an hour and may complete one or two juz. A person may recite an hour and may complete a few pages. So, it's not about how much you recite, but it's about ma the maximum time that you have other than whatever it is that you're doing in Ramadan should be spent reciting the Qur'an. As we get to the evening portion of the day, the most important time of the day happens to be the time of iftar. As Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reminds us that there are two happinesses for a believer, one when one breaks their fast and the other one when they meet their Lord. And so this is a very, very important time. Those moments, those 15, 20 minutes before iftar should not be moments when the TV is on, should not be moments when we're spending time in the kitchen frying things, should not be moments. Those should be moments of association with Allah, just, you know, where the lights are dimmed, you're sitting in your living room or in the masjid or in your family room or wherever it is that you find some solace and peace and sit there and in, in dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Supplication to Allah. So the most important thing that we can do at that time is supplication to Allah. As the Prophet, peace be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, reminds us that, you know, there's the duas of the time of iftar are mm -hmm. accepted. And so again, you know, five days a week, sometimes most people are home from work right. by 8.30, by 8, 8.30. Um, but you may be tired, so you may you may be taking a nap, uh, you may be just lying down, you may be helping out in the kitchen, you know, or preparing iftar, or whatever it is that you're doing. Even if as you're preparing iftar, if, if that's what you're doing, cutting up fruits or whatever it is, you know, be in some sort of a supplication, make a list of du'as that you want to make. Um, which is why most people that know me know that I'm totally against iftar parties. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in going to iftar parties. I, I believe that you know those are uh, nothing but absolute waste of time. Yeah. Um, because that moment is not you know Saturday evening, Sunday evenings is not a time to socialize. The only social with people social the socialization that we should be doing with should be with with Allah. Iftar, dinner, and then um, Isha. Um, you know, generally when we talk about Isha, we talk about Taraweeh. When we talk about Taraweeh, there's this whole discussion that comes up as to how many rakahs of Taraweeh, and that's not what I want to discuss. All I want to say is, <laughs> all I want to say is, at least make it to the masjid for Isha prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a congregational prayer. Go with the community. Go pray your Isha in the masjid. Once you've completed your Isha, if you can stay for Taraweeh, for as many as you can stay for, stay. If you can't, go home. The last thing you want to be doing is standing in some parking lot, talking away, uh, you know, and, and wasting your time. Um, because the idea behind Taraweeh was, was never for it to be a burden. Mm -hmm. 
That's why, uh, that's why with Taraweeh, there's two specific uh, traditions we find. One is that in regards to praying the actual prayer of Taraweeh, and then the other is to actually complete the entire Qur'an in, in Salat al-Taraweeh. Those are two separate actions that we find. Right. And, and in books of fiqh, we will find that if people are getting tired, Taraweeh is becoming difficult for them, then the Imam should shorten his recitation so that people would actually pray Taraweeh. Mm. That's, a that's something that you will find in, in uh, really simple books of, of fiqh in, in Mal al-Qawm if people get tired. So again, you know, it's not about how many rakahs of taraweeh you're praying. It's it's about making it to the masjid so that you can at least get your obligatory prayers in. Mm -hmm. and that's that's a typical day that you want to um, spend in Ramadan and um, make your Ramadan count, right? Be, be, as the Arabic poet says, "Kun ma Allah Allah maak." Be with God, and you'll find God with you. So just kind of finding that time to be with Allah. Um, everything else that we need to prepare for, um, you know, and, and, and this, this podcast, will, 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 will people will be hearing this in Ramadan, but, you know, maybe for future Ramadans, you know, we have a little rule at home that uh, prior to Ramadan, uh, we take care of everything. So the Eid clothing and Eid shoes and all that stuff has been taken care of before Eid so that we don't have to do it in Ramadan. Right. Ramadan is just a, just a really sacred time where you're just supposed to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you're serving the people, you serve the people. But again, you know, that socializing is to a minimum. Emails are to a minimum. Phone calls are to a minimum because there's a greater... Uh, purpose that we have and that greater purpose is to come close to Allah mm -hmm. and coming close to Allah through ibadah not necessarily through uh, community service I'm not saying community service is not important community service is very very important and had, had, had if there was no community service so many people that would be served and be doing so many different things would not be possible but in all of that knowing that our priority should be our one-on-one -on -one worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's right. I mean, like you like you talked about when you were talking about the Qur'an, um, like, you know, things like study of the Qur'an, study of jurisprudence, study of tafasir, you know, of, of, of commentaries of the Qur'an and exegesis is all uh, virtues. They're all virtuous actions. Absolutely. But, 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 but during the month of Ramadan, even traditionally, you know, schools would, like, our, our, like in terms of uh, our, our historical tradition is one where schools would leave off the study of everything else and just focus on, like you said, the recitation of the Qur'an. And, and you know, you know it's, uh, the recitation of the Qur'an yeah. is beneficial for you. Right. Sometimes people think, oh, why should I read the Qur'an if I don't understand it? The Qur'an is not just about understanding. The Qur'an is about tilawa as well. As well. Uh, as Allah mentions in the Quran, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ The four job descriptions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the first one was يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ So that he would make tilawa of the verses on them. Right. So the recitation, or as a, a Christian pastor friend of mine once put it, he said the, the chanting of the Quran. He goes, it's very interesting how, and, and he, he understood this. He said, right. it's, it's very beautiful how in the Muslim tradition, right. the chanting, and these, were, these are his words, not exact words, but something to the effect. And he said that the chanting of the Arabic words of the Quran is an act of worship as well, and how beautiful that is. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm not telling people to not read the translation and understand, but I'm just saying that the increased effort should be on that recitation. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel very powerful and very strong about it because when we are reading the Qur'an, it's as if Allah is talking to us. Mm -hmm. And through that recitation, our soul, our heart is becoming cleansed, purified. You know, it's, it's an act of ibadah. And then when the words of the Qur'an and the message of the Qur'an comes our way, because our heart is spiritually ready, it just becomes so much easier to you know, take that message in, understand the message, and to be able to implement that message. Right. Um, could, could you, would it be then, like in that, continuing in that vein of conversation, this is something that I've uh, often wondered or talked, talked and spoken about as well, with regard, would it be safe to then say that because, for example, you can fast outside of the month of Ramadan, Correct. but you know, even when the Quran describes the Ramadan or specifically mentions the Ramadan, it ties it inextricably with the with the, the Quran. Quran. It's the right? Quran, Shahru the month Quran. of the Quran. Exactly. Yeah. So, whereas, um, and and even historically speaking, I mean, the early community, um, even before the fast of of Ramadan came, they used to fast periodically throughout the year. Um, but in, but again, focusing the month of Ramadan and tying it with the Quran specifically, um, maybe tell our Listeners, why that is the case? Well, the Quran was revealed during the month of Ramadan. Uh, the Quran was revealed. We believe that it came from the Lawham Mahfud, the sacred tablets, to the heavens of this earth on the night of Qadr, right? And then from there, the heavens of the earth to the Prophet ﷺ over a period of 23 years. So the Quran has always had this distinct relationship with the month of Ramadan. Mm -hmm. It's always been there. And then, of course, when the Prophet ﷺ prescribed the prayer of Taraweeh. Um, as he did, it, because it was a prayer, it was there was the recitation of the Quran in it. So, so maybe, maybe you know, and this is the beauty. Of, some people may be able to read the Quran during the day at work or while they're doing their things, but because they have schedules in which they can't make it for Salatul Isha and Taraweeh, maybe they go to the Masjid for Isha, but they can't pray go through Taraweeh. Then there may be people who may be able, who you know, everyone has different schedules, exactly. uh, and so we have to prioritize what is fard. Right, fard is our prayers. What's obligate? The obligatory mm -hmm. element is our prayers. So let's get those in. Obligatory is fasting. Let's get that in. What is the next level? The next level is getting in all the sunnas, mm -hmm. all the traditions. So what were the prophetic practices? The prophetic practices were to add certain prayers with all the fard prayers to get mm -hmm. that in. Uh, Taraweeh prayer essentially it is a sunnah. Right. So you know when I see suhoor. people, suhoor is a yeah. yeah. So when I when I see people arguing around the number of rakahs of taraweeh, I've just never understood that concept. It's like get in whatever you can. Yet at the same time, there may be people who will say that hey, um, I may not be able to uh, recite the entire Quran during the month of Ramadan, but at least I can listen to it in one place. Mm. And so traditionally I've seen where people will stick to one masjid for the entire taraweeh so that they can get the recitation from beginning to end and have gone through that entire recitation during the course of the month. Mm -hmm. Whatever works for people. Whatever works for people. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day and said, what can you do? You know, he says the first, the first 10 days of Ramadan people are really excited and then the last 10 they're really excited but in between they kind of mellow out. What do you do? I said, you know, maybe that's a wisdom from Allah. Uh, you know, people get really excited, do the first portion of Ramadan, and then the middle portion, they may kind of like rest a little and become a little, you know, like, hey, you know, I need to rest up a little, I'm tired. Right. But then they do that because as the last 10 nights of Ramadan kick in, you know, mm -hmm. and so when the last 10 nights of Ramadan kick in, you know, just a reminder, at least pray Isha and Fajr at the Masjid, or pray mm -hmm. Fajr and Isha 
in congregation. Mm. Um, you know, um, do whatever you can. You know, as we were talking about iftar and iftar parties, yeah. you know, I like to tell, you know, people say, oh my God, but there's a great reward. I was just t- teaching right now and, mm. you know, the sisters were asking and said, but Imam Tahir, there's a great reward in feeding people iftar. What do you do? There's a lot of people that in our communities whose pantries you can fill before Ramadan. Um, I'm I'm literally on my way to a wholesale food store from here right now, uh, because I you know we've there's about 15 17 families in this community that have been identified as people who could use the extra help, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know some of us collectively have come together and said hey you know what maybe we can buy so you know I have a list of everything that I have to buy is in increments of 20 so I've been told to buy 20 bottles of oil 20 bags of rice 20 bags of sugar you know just essentials so there's you know 20 20 cans of dates or whatever it is so there's these things that you can do to get that because feeding people at the time of iftar is so amazing I can you know I tell you um, as as an individual who has sat in the masjid at the time of iftar for years on end um, one of the most powerful uh, memories and profound memories that I've ever had was of a of a, of an individual who was um, very close to being homeless, um, was living in his car, and um, you know, um, and and working at labor ready of all places. You know, so he would labor in the morning. He mm. would go in the morning, get a job, work for eight hours, get paid, and then. And so this is hard work. He's fasting all the way through it. And this was when we were at the downtown masjid. And every day before iftar, he would go to Mi Peblo, which is on the corner of 5th and Julian, and the masjid was on 3rd and Julian. He would go to Mi Peblo and buy a case of um, 16 to 18. So it wasn't the 24 case of waters. It wasn't the 12 one. It was sort of, I, I still remember it. It wasn't the, the large right. one. It wasn't the small one. It was sort of somewhere in between. And every day in Ramadan, and that's all he could afford, right? Yeah. That's in his capacity. Every day he would bring a case of iftar, of water. He'd walk there after Asr, he'd buy it, and then he'd walk it back. Mm. And then at the time of iftar, he'd go to people in the masjid and just distribute it amongst people so that people could have water at the time. <laughs> it's not like the masjid didn't serve water. The masjid had <laughs> filtered water put away in these big igloo cans with paper cups. So right. This was his way in his capacity mm-hmm. to serve the people and so when you're at the masjid sometimes on a, on a when you know if it's a good day someone will bring milk for you you know bring, bring gallons of milk you know or someone will bring dates for you or someone will bring fruits from home i mean people do whatever it is in their capacity so you can fulfill all of these you know needs uh, and 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 still be rewarded and not necessarily have to host right and if the uh, 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 a, a large so, iftar yeah. at, at home while doing it, you know. And mm-hmm. and by the way, if you happen to be a person who loves to have friends over and whatnot, you know, <clears throat> day after Eid, weeks after Eid, you can have all the Eid parties that you want and and have a lot of fun. Again, yeah. the idea is that uh, um, time is precious, time is valuable, and and that is not to be wasted in Ramadan. Uh, yet your your work. Uh, your obligations, mm-hmm. your social obligations, uh, may be that you know you may need to do certain things, and this advice may not be for you. You mm-hmm. know, but whatever in whatever it is that you're doing, ask yourself how do you find Allah. Mm-hmm. But don't simply go on helping people, assisting people, doing things, indirect acts of worship, 
and neglecting your direct acts of worship. Mm. So sometimes, you know, people, you know, uh, may, may say, hey, you know what, I need to go and feed the homeless. Very important. Mm. Got to do that. Mm. I hope you do. Do this, do this, do this. But when you're looking at your own prayer, the quality of your prayer has remained the same. You mm. really haven't increased in the number of uh, rak'ahs that you're doing or the number of sajdas that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just because the recitation of the Qur'an is difficult for you, you just don't even try to recite the Qur'an. You just go out and do everything else, a lot of other good work. Yeah. Let's not neglect that personal one-on-one -on -one with Allah. Mm -hmm. um, everything else is important, but this is very, very important. Exactly. This, is a, this is a time when you just come one-on-one -on -one with Allah. Not bypass the sort of things that you as an individual have to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then there's that tradition of the Prophet yeah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that if you can't recite the Qur'an and you try, your reward is doubled. Yeah, so, right. Right. so, you know, that's the mercy of Allah. But, you know, it, it's I, I would hope and pray that, you know, when people listen to this podcast, it's almost an inspiration for them to say, hey, you know what, let me start. Hmm. Let me start from somewhere. Let me do whatever I can um, and, and start, start uh, doing that. Uh, while we continue doing all the other good stuff. Uh, very important, another very important is, is dua, supplication mm. to God. So, you know, at, at the time of Maghrib, at the time of Suhoor, just kind of raising your hands and say, Ya Allah, you know, I, I help me with a good spouse, help me with a job, my family. Like, actually have these conversations daily for 29, 30 days right. with Allah. Make a list and say, these are things that you want to ask Allah for, right. for your health and your wealth and your job and everything else. And have that conversation daily with Allah. And um, you'll actually feel good about it, mm -hmm. you know, um, and make it a daily thing. So, you know, and, and, you know, Ramadan is, and there's no such thing as, there's no such thing as a good Ramadan or a bad Ramadan. Mm -hmm. All Ramadans are good. Mm -hmm. Some Ramadans you're able to do a little more than others. And some Ramadans, because of where you're in life, where you're at in life, it may be a little less than others. Yeah. There's no such thing as a bad Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Always... It's always the mercy of Allah, always the mercy of God. Like, you know, um, in some Ramadans you might have been able to do things that you might not have been in previous Ramadans. That's fine. You, Allah puts people in different places in their lives, and you know, Allah knows your situation. And with with everything that you have in front of you, you try to do your best, and right. that's all that happens. But but but, as Ramadan ends, no one should despair. The mercy and forgiveness from Allah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a given. Like mm -hmm. you've gone through an entire month, best of your ability, mm -hmm. and maybe not even the best of your ability, but you just tried. You believe in God. You know He's there. This month ends. It's nothing but. It's nothing but a month filled with forgiveness and mercy. Mm -hmm. That's that's Allah. You know, I, I wouldn't expect any less from the Lord of the worlds, mm -hmm. from the merciful of the most merciful, from, you know, the, the creator, the magnificent creator. Um, you know, we wouldn't, we shouldn't expect any less from Allah. Allah is very, very kind. Mm -hmm. um, but just being, just being conscious and aware when you speak, when you deal with others of, of your situation, then being generous. It's also, I mean... I was yeah. going to ask, right, because I, I know one of the traditions uh, that, that, that often people start to also think about, um, not traditions, but just some, you know, one of the obligations that people begin to think about also is charity and zakat. Yeah. And, we, could, we could do an entire right, podcast right, on that. Right. But if you could maybe just touch on, yeah, I mean, you know, just, one, is there, is there any, 
merit of saving zakat for the month of Ramadan. Yeah, so that's a topic in and of itself. But okay. really quickly, yeah. you know, if you read the books of fiqh, actually uh -huh. you have to pay zakat when your lunar year is up. Right. Okay, it's, it's not about... It's Ramadan, I have to give zakah. It's about, you know, when you started paying zakah, when is your lunar year when when zakah becomes an obligation on you? That's a, and maybe sometimes we can talk about this, but, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, that's very, very important. And then there's bo books of fiqh will mention uh, Muharram is a good time to give zakah. You know, all kinds of times of the year. Right. So not necessarily Ramadan. People give in Ramadan because they anticipate a greater reward from Allah. But the re And some people give in Ramadan because it's just easier to remember. Ramadan to Ramadan to Ramadan. Mm -hmm. As far as reward, I've just never... You know, if Allah wants to give that same reward to you outside of Ramadan, He could do that. It's about fulfilling the need of an individual. So if someone came up to us right now and said, Hey, you know, I haven't had a meal to eat or my family's really hungry. And you pulled out $20 or whatever it is that you could and say, Here go buy some food. Yeah. And you you made the intention for that to be your zakah, knowing that that individual will be zakah eligible. Right. That would probably be far more rewarding than you writing a check for $1,000 in Ramadan. Because you actually spent some time fulfilling the need of that individual. Yeah. Um, so that's what it comes down to. It's like, so Ramadan, you can give in Ramadan as well. And you don't have to give it all away in Ramadan. You should be able to calculate it or put it put it aside in the month of Ramadan, so that um, you know you you have the rest of the year to give it. You don't necessarily have to give it away in Ramadan, but you should. One thing about zakah is that you should calculate, mm -hmm. not just randomly give. Right. Calculate. Know how much you owe. If you don't have the liquid assets to give it immediately, give it over the course of the next few months. Um, but make sure that you give. Do give your zakah. By the way, but in addition to your zakah, give voluntarily as well. Mm. Zakah is an obligation. Right. You're, by giving zakah, you're not doing anyone a favor but yourself. Right. Um, you're fulfilling. You're just fulfilling an obligation. Right. But when you give voluntarily, so and voluntary giving doesn't have to be tens of thousands of dollars. It could be ten dollars when you walk into the masjid, five dollars to someone, fifteen dollars here, whatever, whatever it is that you can do in your capacity. Um, to to fulfill the needs of others, but being generous is very very important. That was it's a month of generosity, but R Ramadan, you know, most people do calculate and give their zakah. Mm -hmm. um, do calculate, ask questions if you must, but give because uh, one of the meanings of zakah is purification, and the reason is purification is when you give your zakah, your wealth becomes purified. And if you don't give the zakah of your wealth, that portion that you're supposed to give is haram for you now. It's not it's not halal for you to use. So that haram element, that two and a half percent, which is haram for you to use, mm -hmm. penetrates into the rest of your wealth, which makes the rest of your wealth with no barakah and no blessings as well. But the moment you give it, so it's halal for someone else, but not halal for you, it has to come out. Mm -hmm. So understand the rules of zakah, understand the fiqh of zakah, and uh, do calculate, but be be generous. And again, generosity is not measured in numbers. Generosity is measured in intentions. Generosity mm. is me measured in how much difficulty you have. I mean, for some for someone giving twenty dollars may be difficult, right? And for others, giving two hundred would be easy. So it's about it's not about how much you give. It's about the intention at the time of giving. But let there never be a day that goes by in which you haven't done uh, some goodness. Okay. You know. Uh, and then maybe just in the time that we have remaining um, for you to just uh, also touch on the, the uh, itikaf, the spiritual retreat yeah, uh, during yeah, the last 10 days. Yeah. 
Very important. Nabi alayhi salatu made the spiritual retreat, the i'tikaf in, in the month of Ramadan in the masjid. Uh, i'tikaf, a spiritual retreat or seclusion. Mm. Seclusion uh, to be with Allah, to be with the people of Allah, to be with the word of Allah. That's what it comes down to. And um, the sunnah mu'akkada, the actual i'tikaf of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was to go into the masjid when the last 10 nights of Ramadan would begin and remain there until the moon of Eid was sighted. Um, so that is that is the actual spiritual retreat that we should endeavor to do when we have time. Um, though people who do go to the masjid and spend weekends there or nights there and then go to work, that is also an i'tikaf, that's also a spiritual retreat. It's a nafila, it's a voluntary retreat. You don't get the same reward and it's not the same spirit as that as the Prophet ﷺ did. Um, endeavor to do that at least once in your life if you can. And for those of us that are making any form of a spiritual retreat at the masjid, be it for just the nights and not the days, or the entire 10 days, let's see if we can decrease our dependence on um, our gadgets. Because mm. uh, the idea of leaving coming into the masjid was to leave the dunya behind it's like the world and its affairs and the billboards and the radios and and the marketplaces and the buying and selling and all of that was to be left behind so that you'd go into the masjid you wouldn't have any of this it's just you and Allah just spent that time in ibadah and worship and uh, nowadays we do do that, but our, our phones are so interesting, these creatures, that uh, you have the entire dunya at your hands. And so, you know, we have, we have um, we're, we're on social media, mm -hmm. and so, the, so that this, this, this um, the spirit of i'tikaf is kind of lost. Now, you know, I, that wouldn't be a reason for an individual to not go into the masjid for i'tikaf, but if you can decrease your dependency, decrease your usage, of that, if you can spend the weekends there, and by the way, with i'tikaf and spiritual retreats, the smaller the masjid, the better. Mm. Uh, large masjids, you just have a lot of people there, and so it becomes just uh, you know another social opportunity. Yeah. Great, and, and which is great. Right. I mean, you right. get to meet people right. and talk to them and exchange thoughts and ideas and prayers and do things in a collective manner. But if you happen to be one of those people who have been sort of raised in, in kind of being alone because it's an it's literally i'tikaf is sort of alone time right um, um, you know that's what you would do my dad always tells us my dad spent time my dad spent about six Ramadans with his sheikh uh, sheikh Zakaria Kandalwi rahmatullahi alayhi in, in India um, in the in the 60s mm -hmm. in the 60s wow. and um, sheikhs, the sheikh's Ramadans and his i'tikaf of the last 10 nights were renowned so people hundreds of people would come for i'tikaf and then on and the last on the odd nights at the end you know thousands of people would actually spend time with the sheikh in the masjid now this doesn't mean that they would actually spend time with the sheikh mm -hmm. they would just be in his uh, company but he said the sheikh had just one rule. Mm. So you know what we talked to my dad about about the sheikh, uh, and we we just ask him and say you know what did you guys do? Yeah. And so they had this routine of prayer, tahajjud, and and for the hafaz of the Quran they had this routine that they had to get in seven to ten juz of the Quran daily, in their prayers. Wow. So you had this entire routine, uh, and then. 
um, routine of prayers, routine of Quran, routine of making dhikr, routine of salawat. You know, so your days would go by. So you know, we asked my, I, I would ask, I asked my dad, and he he, con- he continues reminding us. He goes, so I said, you know, he said there was one rule. What was the man? So what's the one rule? He said, no talking. Mm. You weren't allowed to socialize. His rule was that if you're if you don't want to do anything and you go to sleep, go to sleep. But don't socialize, because the moment you begin to socialize, that conversation could lead from one thing to another, it could get prolonged. And so he said that although there were, especially during the early days of Ramadan, although there would be hundreds and at some point thousands of individuals in the I'tikaf, in the masjid in Saharanpur, right. uh, you wouldn't find people talking to each other. It was just people doing their thing. They had their books of duas and their Qur'ans and their salawat and they just go from one thing to another, to another, to another. If they got tired, they went to sleep. Mm. They got up, they prayed, they went made wudu, they came back. They went for a stroll and a walk if they got tired. But like that's how their days were spent. So, mm. you know, inshallah, I, I, I think I have uh, lots of hope and uh, lots of anticipation of the mercy of God on, on, on all of us. And uh, may this uh, month of Ramadan be a blessed one for all of us, inshallah. 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 Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I'm hoping that our listeners will benefit from this the way I know. I mean, I'm already just saying. Yeah, yeah. The, way, the way we have. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Inshallah. 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 Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Imam Barakallah Fikum. Barakallah Fikum, inshallah. So that was awesome. And, and we will absolutely, inshallah, have Imam Tahir back for a lengthier, uh, more in-depth conversation after sometime after Ramadan where we can really get into his really, really interesting life story and and sort of his own personal narrative and uh you know worth pointing out here imam Tahir actually conducted uh my marriage so oh wow great i, I feel a deep uh, personal connection with imam Tahir for that reason if nothing else and there are many other reasons but right. that's a big one that is awesome that is awesome yeah yeah it's my wish list to have uh the person who performed uh, my uh marriage as well on the show and that is uh imam siraj wahaj so maybe one day One day. If you're listening, Imam Siraj, (laughs) you're on our list. Um, Our next guest. Now, we just talked about the the spiritual component of, of Ramadan. There is, of course, a physical component as well because it is the month of fasting. And so for that, we turn to our good friend, friend of the show, Rehan Jalali, who uh, offers a take on how best to approach the, the fast from what you should eat when you wake up to what you should eat uh, after you after you break your fast and a little bit of background now yeah. again we, we've had Rehan on before exactly and, and I think that I, I think one of the things that I found interesting about Rehan's perspective was he ke- and he and he keeps coming back to this uh, as you'll listen to uh, is that is the fact that yeah yeah while we are focusing on the physical aspects of it and how to how to, you know what type of nutrition we should focus on and at the same time you know for those who are uh, have a fitness regimen. How do you continue that through the through, through the month of Ramadan? Uh, but I think kind of again the overarching perspective that he brought was okay. How do we make sure that we are mentally uh, uh, you know alert and 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 able to then focus on our worship and focus on our fast and again uh, trying to optimize the most spiritually uh, and, and accrue the best benefit there. So. Uh, that's that. That was sort of the focus, even when, even though he was sort of talking about the sort of physical uh, aspects of, of of the fast, which I found very, very interesting. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, please, Zaki, t- tell tell our listeners uh, a little bit about Rehan, our first returning guest. 
So Rehan is the president of the Supplement Research Foundation. He's a nationally recognized sports nutritionist who's developed over 100 cutting-edge products for the dietary supplement industry. He has over 250 nationally and internationally published articles on nutrition and supplementation, and millions of people worldwide have read articles written by him. He's worked with and helped formulate products used by hundreds of Olympic and professional athletes and celebrities, including Sylvester Stallone, Scott Foley, all-pro defensive end Michael Strahan, uh, baseball players like Turk Wendell and Benny Agbayani, heavyweight boxer Shannon Briggs, Olympic gold medalist Natalie Williams, world-class Olympic sprinter Dwight Thomas, and the Utah Jazz and New York Mets organizations. And he also trained Ben Affleck, a.k.a. Batman, to look like the hulking behemoth who could actually, you believe, that he could beat Superman. And that's thanks to Rayhan's work. That's right. And, and, uh, and above all, uh, a dear personal friend, a childhood friend, so... Uh, great to have Rehan back on the show. So let's go ahead and play our chat with Rehan Jalali. Rehan, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me and uh, for being a returning guest. Wow, I feel really honored. My God. Returning champion. <laughs> <laughs> or the sequel. Or the sequel. Maybe, right? maybe, so. maybe we can go for a three-peat. There, well, we're, we're counting on it. <laughs> That's right. Don't all studios aim for a trilogy these days anyway, right, uh, Zucky? So keeping nope. in line with the whole Batfleck, Batman conversation? We, we need a shared uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. Yeah. CSE. <laughs> That's right. But you know, it's it's funny, you know, well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to sort of go with the lead, uh, which is, uh, you know, last time I remember specifically or distinctly when we had Rehan on, uh, it was at the time when he was working with uh, Ben Affleck. And I remember he was getting a little bit too big for his other role at the time, which was for the uh, uh, David Fincher movie, Gone Girl. Um, and now here we go. This is post-release of Batman v Superman. And Regardless of where you feel and how you feel about the movie, I think we can all sort of agree that uh, Ben Affleck was phenomenal as Batman. I'd have to, I, in my biased opinion, I'd have to say yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think Ducky, you know, his, uh, his uh, scathing review of the film notwithstanding, I think uh, agreed that Ben made an excellent Batman. Well, that, and that's, I mean, obviously the reviews were mixed at best. I don't think that's a shocking statement to say, but pretty much the uniformity uh, in the reviews was that variable quality or whatever, notwithstanding, Ben Affleck is a great Batman. So, I mean, that certainly puts to shame all of the people who nearly broke the internet in half uh, three years ago when his casting was first announced. Yeah, I think I think he came through. I think he came through at the end. And, you know, again, the goal was just for my goal was just to make right. sure he was, the, you know, the biggest and leanest. So we hopefully can and, achieve that so far. And that he was. Yeah, he was he was gargantuan man in the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, even, they even threw in a workout scene. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The the, mon the, 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 the training montage a la yeah. Sylvester Stallone and Batman. Yeah, I'm, I'm we sorry. Had, we, had, we, yeah. we had to get it in there. <laughs> right so so anyway Rehan um again welcome back uh, uh you know to our listeners or, or to those who haven't caught our last episode with Rehan um you know this is no secret but uh yeah me and Rehan go way back uh and uh we've known each other for a long long time um and so it's great to have you back Rehan so um you know I I know that you've written about this and you've certainly I imagine you've talked about it and um and work with clients on these particular issues but um yeah here we are uh at the cusp or at the, you know in, in, of the month of Ramadan so kind of maybe talk us through what 
Muslims should be thinking about. Uh, that's a great, uh, great point. I mean, you know, Ramadan creeps up on you quickly, right? I mean, you would just look back and you were just celebrating Eid and now it's Ramadan again. Right. Uh, time flies, right? So uh, one of the main things I want to stress and what I speak about um, around the country and write about uh, when it comes to Ramadan is, uh, you know, how to maximize it for your spiritual gain. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it's not so you look buff at parties. It's not so you look, uh, look you know, ripped at uh, when you're praying. Uh, it's not, that's, those aren't really the reasons why I'm promoting fitness during Ramadan, but the main reason is to maximize your spirituality, to really have energy and to function through the day. I mean, most people are like the walking dead uh, during Ramadan. Uh, <laughs> they're, you know, zombified. Uh, so we're trying to avoid zombification and really help you, you know, it's a month where you really can do tremendous things. I mean, people uh, in the old days used to do tremendous things in Ramadan. I mean, life-changing things, you know, world-changing things. And now we see Ramadan as, okay, we just got to squeak by, so just get through. But we can't think of it that way. So number one I always promote is changing the psychology or the mentality of how you view Ramadan. Uh, don't view it as a time to just get through and survive, but rather a time to thrive and to maximize and to do great things. So, and the way you do that is through proper fitness, nutrition, and you really got to be more careful. And, you know, our way is a way that we are careful about what we eat. And, um, you know, the teachers of our past and the scholars of our past were very careful about what they ate and were very specific on what they put into their bodies because we know that, you know, what you put into your body gives you results and gives you, uh, you know, a feeling of energy and other things as well. So really the goal of this month for me is to give you guidelines and nutrition and fitness tips to help you, again, maximize the spirituality aspect. Awesome. And, you know, and, and Rehan, I'm so glad you kind of began there because I think that uh, it, it allows us to sort of stress a point which you made, certainly, which is that uh, spirituality, so one's, one's spiritual sense, uh, essence, as well as one's physical essence, and, and also you didn't, you know, we didn't necessarily talk about it, but also sort of your mental acuity is, is sort of all all tied in together, right? It's the holistic aspect of the human being as opposed to, as opposed to just seeing ourselves as either spiritual beings devoid of any sort of physical needs or vice versa? Body, mind, and soul. I mean, it's all interlinked. And again, uh, you can't really focus uh, on your prayers or spirituality if you're, you know, half asleep or right. if, you, if you are, you know, completely full. And we've actually seen studies where uh, eating less can actually enhance mental acuity. Uh, calorie restrictions have been, has been shown to increase mental acuity and overeating has been shown to have the opposite effect. So when people overeat in Ramadan, you feel that lag, that sleepiness, that tiredness, that lack of focus. So the goal is, you know, most people, uh, you know, we, I always joke about this in my talks is we have the IBS syndrome and IBS, not irritable bowel syndrome, but uh, <laughs> Iftar bin syndrome. Yeah. Right, which is like you know, you, you, you eight oh two p.m. comes and it's like the Last Supper, and you want to go to a buffet and pull up a chair, and it's like guys, you know, that's the uh, it, it's amazing how people can be so you know firm and strict and powerful. Oh man, I'm fasting, I'm spiritual, I'm I got this, you know, I'm getting closer to God, I'm you know, I'm I got it. And as soon as like eight oh two hits, it's like out the window, and it's like every man for himself, and people are stuffing their face like you know, there's no more food left. And it's like, well, you just kind of defeated the whole purpose of the whole day of fasting when you're binging at night. So the idea is to avoid iftar binge syndrome and really eat small even at nighttime and, and eat the right type of foods 
to again maximize your your work, your spirituality, your prayer, your meditation, whatever it may be, uh, mm. is again directly linked to uh, the food you eat. And Anne Wigmore, who uh, was a a person who uh, started the Hippocratic Center, and she was you know she had a great quote that said that the food you eat can be uh, the most powerful and safest form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. So food mm. is, you know, the food you eat is, is extremely critical to how your body and how your mental well-being uh, will turn out. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, thank you. Um, and so, you know, I imagine, I, you know, I imagine for our listeners, you know, our, I imagine most of our listeners fall into either two or three sort of camps. One is, you know, someone who has a pretty strict physical, uh, I'm sorry, like fitness regimen, um, and, and they're now approaching the month of Ramadan. And then you have people sort of just uh, who, you know, probably don't have a very active or frequent or regular uh, you know, fitness regimen, but they just want to sort of, like you said, thrive in the month of Ramadan. So I imagine those two different people will approach the, or should approach things different as it comes to nutrition. Uh, what do you think about that, Rehan? Um, I would have to agree. I mean, that's a, a great point you mentioned is there are different types of people. And one thing I always promote is customization. And what okay. that means is, is that, you know what, everybody is different. And so your needs will be different from someone else's needs who's maybe exercising if you're not exercising. So you have to look at your individual needs and your individual situation and your individual goals and then develop a, a program that works. And one of the most important factors people forget in fitness uh, outside of food and training and all that is personal preference, right? You're not going to uh, make somebody eat rice cakes or broccoli if they hate broccoli. Right, that's just not going to happen. It's just, it's not going to work. So what you got to do is find, you know, a, a program that fits within their schedule. Right, many of us in Ramadan are so busy. One of the things people always uh, tell me is that, oh my God, I have no time in Ramadan. Like I have no time. Like everything just flies. I have not even a minute to spare. And you know what the key is? Just you just got to find the time. And again, based on your schedule, you got to find ways to fit in a little bit of training. And again, people think, oh my God, how can I train for an hour in Ramadan? Well, you really don't need to. I mean, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of activity uh, can go a long way in terms of making your Ramadan uh, just much more efficient. So really, you have to find a huh. system, a schedule that works within your reality, right? And it's got to be, and again, the key word is realistic. Uh, some of us live in a fantasy world, and we think we're going to do everything, <laughs> and we're like Superman, and, you know, <laughs> and most of us just Clark Kent. So we, <laughs> we you know, we, we got to live in the real world, and, you know, you, you got to have a Superman mentality, but live like Clark Kent, I guess. So we, we kind of live in that world. And, and that world means that, you know, be realistic. Like you can't say that, okay, hey, listen, I'm going to work out every day in Ramadan. That's, if, you, if that's not realistic, you know, give a real uh, goal. And again, goal setting is so critical in this game. So in Ramadan, say, listen, in every week, I'm going to work out three times a week. That's realistic. That's possible. I can make that happen. And as we know, progress, achievement, you know, when you achieve those goals or fulfill those goals, that causes happiness also. You know, progression creates happiness. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where you got to be realistic to your specific situation and then make a system or a plan that fits within those uh, parameters. So, so maybe take the easy. So, like, as I was saying, like, we have those two separate, you know, like we have two different kinds of people, let, let's say, going into the month of Ramadan. Uh, let's take the fitness guy, for example, or the, or the gal. And, and, and they want to, they maybe they, they realistically don't expect to see gains or progress in the month of Ramadan, but they want to at least retain what they have, right? They don't want to lose, uh, you know, they don't want to lose muscle. They don't want to gain body fat. 
So, so maybe just talk about from a, from a purely fitness perspective, not nutrition right now, um, when is the best time to work out? Um, and, and, and maybe like you said, 15, 20 minutes, are you talking pure cardio? What, what do you recommend? That's a that's a, another great question, and I, one I get all the time. And uh, one thing I'll point out: um, I don't think there's any static state in this world. I think you're either improving or you're decreasing. So mm. uh, I think that you know Ramadan to me can be a time for increasing, and because wow. uh, there's really no such thing as maintenance. I mean, it, fitness really there's no maintenance and fitness is not really a word that we use because there's no such thing as maintenance. I mean, really you're either increasing your body, increasing your health, or you're decreasing it. So I think that you know if you have a mentality of increasing your health. Uh, number one, if you're into fitness, first of all, one very important point I got to make is don't train while you're fasting. Now, there's some controversy over this, and people have looked at it, but, and by the way, there's tons of research, published research on Ramadan fasting. And it's kind of where intermittent fasting, this new fitness trend that's out there, it comes from Ramadan fasting. So they actually yeah. took all our research and, huh. you know, put it into something, you know, a fitness trend. But so, number one, don't work out during uh, while you're fasting. Uh, it's just too dehydrative to your body. Uh, really, the hydration is a problem. Uh, the food you can get around, but the, the, the hydration is critical yeah. because now research is showing that if you are dehydrated, you really cause a lot of muscle catabolism, breakdown. Uh, you can have adverse health effects in the long term. So it's not really good. Plus, you won't be as strong and you won't be as focused. I don't think it's really good for you. Uh, so the best time for me that I would recommend for people training that are into fitness is after you know the night prayer. Uh, if you can train for 15 or 20 minutes after that, uh, that'd be great. Now, and the other second best time is between uh, the sunset prayer between Maghrib and Isha. And if you pray during, uh, if you train during that time, so eat, you know, a light iftar, and 30, 45 minutes later, either go sprinting, you know, short bursts of cardio for 15, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, or, or do light uh, weight training for about 15 or 20 minutes. So again, uh, I wouldn't work out more than 20 minutes at a time during Ramadan. And again, it's quality over quantity. And so, you know, try to lift as heavy as possible. Try to go to muscle failure if you can, but keep it short. Keep it short and sweet. 15 to 20 minutes in and out. And I think that will really help, uh, help you during Ramadan. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, for me, certainly a lesson sort of or, or really sound advice because I, I tend to just like to, and this is just because of scheduling and whatnot, but I don't want to do more damage, which is, uh, which is that I, I, I work out, I'll maybe start a workout like maybe 20, 25, to, 25 to 30 minutes right before iftar. But you're saying that's not good. No, I wouldn't recommend that at all. I, just, I, just, I don't think it's a good idea uh, based on the dehydrative effects of your body at that point. Okay. Um, okay. I think it'll, it's actually more detrimental. It's better yeah. to actually just wait. Just wait, you know, 30 minutes after iftar if you're talking about an hour, really. And yeah. so of total time. So you know, I think it, you will see much greater benefit uh, if your body's just slightly hydrated uh, versus completely dehydrated while training. Okay, okay, thank you. Uh, and so now, let, I guess now we can kind of talk about just for like, like the, the masses, the people who maybe don't have a regular uh, fitness regimen, um, you know, what's the, what is the uh, sort of an optimal uh, nutrition uh, or, or like, uh, approach to nutrition during the month of Ramadan? Beginning, of course, with suhoor and then maybe talking about iftar and dinner as well. Uh, well, the simplest thing I can tell you is, uh, simplest tip I can give you is don't overeat at any point. And that's just a general rule for life. Uh, in general, you know, people <laughs> in this country are dying of overeating. I mean, people die from starvation around the world, but people here are dying from overeating. So, and actually the National Institute of Health actually says that 90, 90, 90 percent of all disease is directly linked to your diet. 
So people are literally dying here of overeating. So with Ramadan, we have the lesson of not overeating, and that means at nighttime also, and especially the star time. You know, Rehan, sorry, I just wanted to sort of uh, piggyback on what you just said. I mean, in fact, I think it's the World the, the World Health Organization uh, actually statistically, you know, shows how for the first time, perhaps in human history, at least, you know, for, from the time statistics have been have been and records have been kept, um, you know, we live in a time where literally you have like one third of the world's population overeating, i.e. eating themselves to death. And at the same time, you have a third of the world's population that are literally dying and not and don't have enough food to eat. So we live in this like amazing world a time, you know, in terms of history where literally, like you said, people are eating themselves to death. And meanwhile, you have people who are starving to death. So um, certainly, I think a reminder, I mean, you know, for in the month of Ramadan, because one of the lessons is to think of those who are who are less fortunate and don't. Yes. don't have the kind of luxuries that we enjoy. Sorry, just wanted to interject. But No, that's actually a great point. I mean, that's actually a very, very important note. And something that's actually underestimated is that, you know, we, it, it, it's something that's controllable. See, starvation sometimes is not controllable, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You, you, food is not available. You're, it's out of your control. But, but overeating is well within your control. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, nobody's going to overeat by necessity. I mean, it's right. like I've never heard of anybody be like, yeah. man, you know what? No, 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 I got to overeat. You don't understand. I have to. <laughs> no one, you know, it's like not, yeah. it's not possible, right? But we live in a food culture. We have to change yeah. the culture itself. See, our no, culture, it's, it's, you know, it's it, kind of like the ultimate. Food. It's like the ultimate uh, hashtag first world problems, right? I mean, yeah, right. meaning like <laughs> stopping ourselves from overeating. Yeah, it, it's incredible, and it, it's like I mean, it, it it fascinates me how much even in this day and age, uh, you know, doctors, intellectual people who just you really don't understand that you just don't overeat. It's very, very simple, and the Quran says the best fitness advice ever given in human history. Eat and drink, but don't, don't be excessive. I mean, that is the simplest, most effective health advice in the history of the world, right there. You know, there it's you so go. simple, and yet so effective. So, uh, you know, again, going back to, uh, you know, overeating and those kind of things, the problem is we live in a food-based society, right? When you go to a party, what's the first thing you ask? Hey, what kind of food are going to be there? You know, wedding, who's catering? Right, that's like the first thing. It's like, oh man, you won't believe the food. What do you talk when someone asks you, how was that wedding? It's like, oh man, that kebab there was like <laughs> off the hook. I mean, they don't even talk about the wedding itself. I mean, the first conversation you have is about the food. So yeah. you know, we gotta get out of that. We have to think of a food as function versus food for pleasure. And look, I'm not saying don't enjoy your food. Live, you know, live your life, man. Enjoy your food, of course, but within reason. And so going back to your nutrition tips. And one thing about Ramadan, don't overeat. Number two is, you know, try to drink as much water as possible. Keep water with you uh, during the night. You know, keep water in the car. Keep water, you know, while you're, you know, during your prayer. Keep water with you at all times and okay. try to hydrate uh, as much as possible. And there are actually uh, some foods that are hydrating foods. So you should eat those hydrating foods because they can actually help you, you know, again, be more hydrated with, uh, versus just drinking water. And those are watermelon you know, honeydew, melon, cucumbers, uh, even uh, beans uh, are very hydrating. So, you know, eating those type of foods uh, can really help you. Dates are um, not only a Ramadan food, but they should be eaten throughout the year are very important because dates, you know, don't even just eat them at iftar time, eat them for suhoor, eat them at night, you know, because dates have the highest level of potassium of any food and potassium helps water balance. And again, Mm. the key for this month is to maximize, you know, energy, number one, uh, maximize hydration, number two, and uh, maximize health. And research has actually shown that, you know, Ramadan fasting can be really good for your cardiovascular health. Uh, With a caveat, 
of not, you know, having iftar bin syndrome. So, <laughs> you know, as long as you don't eat, like overeat at night, you know, you can really have some health benefits. So suhoor, I would recommend a high protein, uh, high complex carbohydrate, uh, dates, raw honey, uh, you know, flaxseed oil, uh, even fish oil, uh, which can help brain function uh, during Ramadan. You know, things like that can really be beneficial. Watermelon, dates, like I said, um, and bananas, uh, cinnamon to help wa- uh, sugar balance as well uh, are all important uh, suhoor type foods. One thing to avoid a suhoor is like breads, soups, uh, gravies, condiments, you know, canned items, canned meats, uh, things like that, he- fried foods, heavy foods. And, uh, you know, all those can cause heartburn, dehydration, and can- really can make your uh, fast miserable you know, and really make you unproductive during the day and make you sleepy and all those kind of things. Um, if star time, you want to eat light. You want to eat dates and some protein. Hold on. Ray, can I stop you for a second? Like, sure. I mean, like, because you mentioned a lot for suhoor, which is which are sure. all really helpful. Um, how about any particular foods to avoid because they are sort of diuretics, because they do tend to dehydrate? Uh, anything that's high sodium should be should be avoided in the in the for, at suhoor time. So can you again, explain that? Because again, I'm just thinking out as a as a layperson here. So meaning me, I don't know the. I would love your advice in terms of uh, the nutritional part of this. When I think of sodium, like usually people avoid sodium because of the fact that it's it 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 causes water retention. Right. Right. So that's actually so, true. But it all. It, it, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. So so how does that sort of jive with what you're saying, which is don't eat food that has a lot of sodium. Uh, basically, uh, you got to eat some sodium, obviously. I mean, obviously, you should never go low, super low sodium. Uh, but eating high-sodium foods is wartime. Uh, number one, it increases thirst. Number two, mm-hmm. uh, it can actually dehydrate your body because you actually hold water between muscle cells. And it's very different uh, than water that's inside muscle cells. So mm-hmm. you basically hold water in the tissue, and, and that is extremely problematic. And that's what causes high blood pressure and can cause other health detriments if you have excess amounts so it's important uh, it's, it's great to get you know salt and water inside muscle cells which is important for hydration but sodium doesn't do that sodium if you again excess now if you eat a normal amount of sodium no problem but what's what actually is- more important uh just to just to finish off the sodium thing what's actually more important than the amount of sodium you take in is the amount of potassium you take in because the potassium to sodium ratio that's really what determines hydration so what is that you know, I guess instead of sweet spot, what is that salty spot then in terms of like what's, <laughs> what's the ideal, you know, like uh, for a healthy person to, to the amount of sodium they should have on a daily basis? It all, it, it all would depend on your body, your weight, okay. and also um, it would depend on the potassium you're taking. The ratio of potassium to sodium in your body should be three to one, ideally, for maximum hydration, uh, for just health and wellness benefits. And most people are opposite. Most people eat three times more sodium than potassium. And so potassium true. foods are dates, raisins, uh, bananas. You know, those are all kind of high potassium uh, type foods. You can even take a supplement if you need to uh, to balance it out. But again, you know, I'm not going to get hung up on sodium as uh, as a lot of people do. You can certainly have some sodium. You need sodium actually in your body, uh, especially during Ramadan where you deplete minerals. But I think you know, make sure your potassium is high. And again, eat dates, you know, as much as you can, even at night, because they contain good fiber as well. And uh, so I think those are the kind of things uh, you want to eat. Another good food for suhoor is figs. Now, figs are really important because they contain key minerals, but also they help raise your pH. So they lower acidity in your body. And how many of you guys fasted out there, you know, listening 
that like basically, you know, you have heartburn during the day. Your body feels acidic because, you know, you've eaten too much greasy foods or whatever it may be. So figs can kind of counteract that a little bit and kind of, you know, lower some of that acidity in your body and make your body function at a higher level. Okay. Uh, great. I, I, um, and so, oh, oh yeah. So you, going back to something you mentioned earlier, Suhoor should include a complex carbohydrate, carb, as, as well as a, maybe some sort of a high protein. Um, any particular recommendations on the protein part? Absolutely. Um, I always recommend eggs, you know, egg whites uh, with one yolk. Uh, you can mix okay. chicken in there. You could, you know, uh, even lean beef is great. You can make an egg white beef omelet. Uh, you know, and, and that's a lot of controversy over um, people eating lean beef and things like that. Again, you know, I'm not highly I recommend that you eat beef every day or whatever. But according to recent research that was just published, uh, they actually showed that eating beef every single day had no adverse effects on your cardiovascular function whatsoever. And they looked at, you know, hundreds of studies that were um, done on the matter. Uh, now, processed red meats, you should avoid that actually does cause harm. So, but unprocessed, grass-fed, things like that, you know, you can certainly add that in. If you don't want to eat meat for suhoor, there's so many alternatives now that we have pea protein, we have, you know, vegan type items. Uh, for example, hemp protein is really, really good. Uh, so you have a lot of alternatives. So you can make a nice smoothie in the morning, for example, for suhoor, uh, a vegan smoothie if you if you're, don't want to eat meat. So, you know, there's options for everybody now. And again, it depends on your specific situation. Uh, and you can eat a little bit more for suhoor depending on when you're going to sleep. But try to get a lot of nutrients in. I also recommend a good multivitamin at suhoor time because Ramadan depletes a lot of nutrients. So a good multivitamin is just a safety net that you can take uh, at suhoor time as well. Uh, you didn't mention seafood. Is that should we avoid seafood for as a protein source? Uh, not at all. Uh, most people just don't like eating seafood for in the morning. But if that's your preference, no problem at all. You can certainly. I'm a little it. selfish. I'm I'm a pescatarian, so I, I don't eat. Oh no problem. Chicken, yeah, so, no yeah. problem. You can certainly eat fish. It's it's fantastic actually. If you can if you can do it, more power to you. I mean, I love fish. I think it's and actually what's great about fish is that suhoor time it can enhance brain function. Uh, during the day. So, you know, it's something I think it's, it, it's a great point you make, and I think that's something that they definitely should do. Great. And then the complex carbohydrate, uh, because at the same time you said avoid eating bread, so not even whole wheat. Are, are you uh, sort of advocating gluten-free or? Not really. I mean, the only bread I really like is Ezekiel bread. Um, there's a low-sodium <laughs> version as well. Um, Ezekiel bread can really be, you know, pretty good, and I think it's a little bit more healthy. Uh, but the problem with the bread is it's just high sodium. So, and it's not really a huge problem as long as you, again, take care of the potassium. So if you're eating enough dates and raisins and certainly a few slices of whole wheat toast is no problem uh, at suhoor time, you know, taking things like all natural almond butter or peanut butter uh, and raw honey, you know, those are the great uh, suhoor type foods and, you know, complex carbs like oatmeal. Oatmeal is like the staple, you know, um, suhoor meal. My, my personal suhoor is, you know, generally six to eight egg whites with one yolk. Uh, one plain um, oatmeal with cinnamon, raisins, dates, and a banana. Um, yeah, one slice of Ezekiel bread with um, all-natural almond butter and uh, some fish oil and multivitamins and lots of water. So that's kind of my, you know, sort of go-to suhoor. But, you know, if you can, you know, kind of be around that in terms of nutrients, uh, you'll do well. I, I wasn't going to ask you to reveal the secret sauce, but you did. So thank you uh, for kind of giving us a, a little peek into yours. And um, so I, I know, in fact, just you know, uh, being fully like transparent, like, like your wife kind of turned my wife onto this whole Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel bread, uh, as well as, um, brown rice tortillas, I think, which are yeah. fantastic. I love, right? I love both of them. Yeah, me too. Me too. And that, and you know what the cool part is, uh, 
guys, is that, you know, now we live in a time where you can eat delicious foods that are healthy. Like I used to live, when I, when I first started 20, over 20 years ago, right? I mean, it was a choice between cardboard and chalk. I mean, that was kind of what we were <laughs> dealing with. So I was like, today I'm going to have the chalk, I think. I right, cardboard tomorrow. But that's what the time we're living in now. I, it's so easy to eat healthy. I mean, you can eat delicious. I mean, you can go to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and you have all these places where they actually have freaking delicious foods. I mean, they're making high protein waffles and high protein this and that. And actually a friend of mine makes high protein pancake mix, which you can make use for breads and use for stuff that, you know, is really much healthier for you. So, you know, there's really no excuse to eat healthy when people say, oh man, but I like the taste. It's like, you can make it taste great. Well, so we, we've talked a lot about Suhoor. We might as well skip to uh, Iftar. What's uh, uh, assuming we've had the, the healthy suhoor that you're prescribing, now that we're at the end of the day, how do we how do we make sure we close out just as strong as we started? Uh, number one, pray that you don't overeat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like step, that. Step I like one. that dua. Step yeah. one. <laughs> oh God, protect me from the from the excessive buffet that's coming, <laughs> and, and the aunties uh, shoving thro- food down my throat and forcing me to eat more than I want to. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, uh, the, the key to iftar, again, is a light iftar, very important. What happens, I know you guys have experienced this, and maybe uh, people listening have also, and I certainly have as well uh, over the years, is you know when you completely overeat at iftar time, you're done for the night. I mean, you're done for the night. Your stomach's full. You feel bloated. You just can't eat, eat anymore. And suddenly now, you know, you're, you're not eating anything the rest of the night. And so it, it causes a lot of problems. So I think it's very important to eat. For example, the best iftar, I think, is a, three dates and a nutrition shake, like a smoothie, a protein shake. Uh, and I think that's just a simple, you know, iftar. And then an hour later, then you can have your sort of meal. Uh, you know, chicken, brown rice, vegetables, whatever it may be. But the key is just do not, whatever you do, don't overeat at iftar time. Watermelon is excellent to eat at iftar time. So that's another great uh, food for um, iftar. It's, you know, over 90% water. Uh, it contains uh, something, uh, it contains uh, something that enhances nitric oxide, which actually lowers blood pressure. So watermelon is really, really good for you. And uh, the prophet loved watermelon. So you got to go that's with that. That's so true. Yeah, excellent point. Before we go to dinner, real quick, um, like literally. Uh, to, yeah, sorry, I'm hungry having hungry. this conversation. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Can someone give me a date? <laughs> Not the ones on a Saturday night, the, uh, the ones you eat. <laughs> My wife will like that part. I know, right? I was going to say. Uh, all right, so um, real quick, uh, you mentioned um, maybe like a protein shake as, as, as a bit of advice. Um, uh, any particular, like, do you suggest whey or a blend or casein? There's I so prefer, many varieties yeah, I pre- out there. Absolutely. It's very confusing. And again, depends yeah. on your um, situation. But I, I generally prefer a good quality whey isolate. Uh, zero carb SRO is good. If you want a mixed protein, MRM makes a good quality mixed protein. Uh, there's so many out there. If you want a vegan protein, uh, NatureAid makes a really yeah. good vegan protein. Um, SAN, SAN makes a good vegan protein. So depending on your needs, you can stick with any of those. And, uh, you know, take that. Uh, I'd like to mix it with water, but you can certainly mix it with unsweetened flax milk, almond milk, you know, to make it taste a little bit better. And so those are certainly good options um, at uh, iftar time. Uh, and how about dairy in general? Like, I mean, are you uh, I'm, me personally, deliberately leaving that out? Uh, me personally, I'm not a big fan of dairy. Uh, dairy today. 
because dairy today is is tainted. That's a separate discussion. I think we can have uh, at a different time. But I think that dairy is problematic in a lot of ways. It contains a lot of allergens to many people. Now, look, if you can take dairy and you have no problem with dairy, certainly it's it's not a huge problem. But I think there are better choices than dairy um, if you're trying to get healthier and fitter. Mm, okay, and so that's just like kind of general advice. Um, excellent, excellent. Um, and then kind of maybe moving into dinner then. Oh, well, well, I'm sorry. So so you said, you know, have your iftar, sounds pretty light, um, and then maybe wait about 30, 30 to 35, you know, like 30 minutes or so, and then you could do a, like if you wanted to do some sort of a, a cardio or some sort of physical regimen, you could uh, include that here. Absolutely. So 30 minutes later, you know, drink okay. plenty of water, uh, and one thing I, you, you might, I might suggest to people who are into fitness, is not for the general population, but for the person who's more advanced, you can drink high pH water. And again, that's to lower acidity. So things like Essentia, Aqua Hydrate, uh, those types of waters that are high pH can certainly benefit you at this time. And then 30 minutes later, you know, do your training for 15 or 20 minutes and then have that meal. Uh, that chicken breast, brown rice, vegetables, uh, you know, fish, sweet potatoes, uh, vegetables, those, that type of meal. Um, is, I think, important at that time. And again, if you don't work out, you can just wait that hour and then have that meal. Okay. A any, perhaps, like, I mean, you don't have to get it very detailed, but, uh, like, foods to, that are good to eat at iftar time, like, kind of like what you talked about w w with regards to suhoor? Uh, absolutely. I mean, dates for sure, watermelon, honeydew melon, cucumbers, uh, you know, a, a nutritional shake, bananas, any type of fruit that's, that's hydrating, uh, is really good at this time. Uh, but again, don't overeat the fruit either. You know, people have a tendency to go crazy on fruit. You can eat, you know, plenty of watermelon because it's over 90% water. So that's okay. But um, some of the other fruits, uh, you don't want to eat too much of apples. Red apples are great at this time, uh, again, for fiber and for nutrition. Again, one of the other important things that we uh, tend to forget is in Ramadan, a lot of people get sick. Uh, and so we want to make sure we maintain immune function because if you've been sick during Ramadan, you know how bad that can be. And you can, you miss, you know, you miss your fast, you miss prayers. Uh, it can really be detrimental. So another important thing about all these foods and the reason why I'm kind of subtly mentioning all these foods is immune function is to make sure you stay healthy and fit uh, so you don't get sick as, as well. Okay, great. So, um, and then, so now, like, dinner time, and then, you know, for those who go off to Tarawi or, night, the, like, the night vigil and the night prayers, um, your advice throughout the prayers, obviously, you can't eat, but, but just drink plenty of water. Take water with you. Yes, I would drink plenty of water, and then uh, you can have, like, a protein bar or another shake uh, during the, uh, not, not while you're praying, but, I mean, when you take a break. <laughs> in the middle of the prayer, you can have, you know, in the, after four, uh, you know, four rakats or whatever, you can have um, a protein bar or shake. That's if you're going to train afterwards, so you can have that, uh, but mainly water is really critical at that time. And keep water with you. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you guys just plan ahead a little bit, and that's very important for Ramadan. Sometimes we forget that in Ramadan because we kind of so busy, but, you know, plan ahead, right? I mean, if you guys are listening to this and it's still not Ramadan yet, you know, plan ahead, plan ahead, you know, make sure you get every, you know, everything in order and, and get a system and get a goal and really uh, try to make this month different, you know, this month different than, than every year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if I could throw in, this is nothing to do with fitness or anything we've been really talking about. We'll, 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 you know, one of my pet peeves is, you know, if you're going to take water guys and, 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 and mosques, this advice for mosques too, 
encourage your participants, those who come, your congregants, to bring their own water bottles as opposed to just providing those like uh, uh, plastic water bottles that just uh, not good for the environment, not good for yes. anything. So just good not point. sustainable. Guys, bring your own water bottles. I know mosques, at least here in the Bay Area, I know a couple that I go to where they actually don't even provide water bottles because they are like, well, either you bring it from your home or sorry, guys, because they don't want to add to that whole um, carbon footprint thing. So. Absolutely. Great anyway. point. Yeah, great point. I always carry my own, uh, my own yeah. little shaker cup always because that's much, much, exactly. much better. Exactly. Or a thermos or whatever. So that's, that, that's great. Um, and then, so now you're back home, let's say for, and then you're going to maybe go to bed in about half hour or whatever. Um, do you recommend if you're, do you recommend eating something like maybe like a, a last bit of protein or something before you go to bed? Yeah, I actually recommend, um, depending if you work out, if you work out, for example, um, after the night prayer, then I would actually recommend you have a protein shake, more dates, uh, or watermelon, um, afterwards and then, and then get some sleep. Uh, and really, this, this, the, the month is so tight that your, your sleep is going to suffer. I mean, yeah. there's no way to avoid it. It's just, especially now, yeah. uh, especially now because the, the fasts are so long. They're 16-hour fasts, right? So mm -hmm. you're looking at a very long uh, uh, fast. So the key is naps. Naps are critical. If you can squeeze in a nap before start time, uh, that's ideal. Um, so if some of you can go back to sleep after Suhoor for a few hours, that's helpful. But you got to live off naps. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And I'll, I'll tell you something really fascinating, a side note is there's actually a, a book that came out and, and a new uh, fitness information called the eight hour diet and so now everybody's promoting this sort of only eight hours of eating you know mm. and it's like it's like the we we, we perfected that you know hundreds of thousands of years ago so uh, it's like yeah. they're finally catching on but that's actually becoming a popular trend of, of just kind of intermittent fasting and only eating for eight hours during the day so it's pretty interesting mm, fascinating um so, I, wow, I think you've kind of packed in a lot for people to ponder and, and like you said, sort of, uh, you know, uh, plan uh, ahead um, and think about. So uh, any sort of closing thoughts about, about Ramadan and, and fitness and nutrition as we kind of close out? Absolutely. I mean, one thing I'll leave with you guys listening and, and for you guys uh, who are nice enough to do this podcast, um, I would say that, you know, I think it's just try to make this month different than every other month. Uh, make it different than every other year. Uh, don't give up. Don't think you can't do it because I've seen people with extraordinary schedules with amazing difficulties uh, achieve fitness success during this month. And actually, there's many times where I personally have seen the greatest gains in my fitness program uh, during Ramadan because of just much more focus and, and also set goals. Uh, make sure you try to do it as a group as well. You know, get some people around you, your family members, your significant other, your kids, you know, get the kids involved and, and try to make that, you know, a group thing where you kind of guys set goals and do a little mini challenge yourself or whatever it may be, because, you know, you got to push each other to become better. And that's what this month is about. And that's what fitness is about. And then what I promote is, you know, making each other better. And again, to maximize the month, to maximize the spirituality. And if you do that, I think you will see that uh, you will have much, much, much better success in the month and you'll be much happier at the end. So that's what I'll leave it with. Thank very you. Nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very, very nice. Uh, short and sweet. Um, and uh, thank you so much. I think we've optimized uh, your expertise. Um, you know, for our listeners, we want to definitely have um, maybe a subsequent show where we uh, kind of maybe talk the whole time about maybe more uh, along sort of spiritual and religious goals that one may have for the month of Ramadan to quote, Rehan, he's a fitness expert, not a fitness expert, so, <laughs> right? He's our protein shake, not yes. our real shake. So, that's yeah. right. That's uh, right. That's right. I, I leave the <laughs> I leave the sheikhood to you guys. You know, we got, we got the, the real brains behind the operation. I'm just the brawn. 
No, no, no. In fact, <laughs> wasn't that a song? You got, you got the brains, I got the brawn. Let's make lots of money. Is that what it was? Wasn't that a song in the eighties? Man, you got me. You got me. Um, you got me. Uh, you guys now, are too young yeah, for that. I'm an old man. You guys are too young. No, come on. Uh, I, I I just wasn't hip back in the eighties. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I knew you in the eighties. That's what's crazy. <laughs> you knew me in the 80s, and so you can vouch for the fact that I was certainly not hip in the 80s. Uh, that's not true. Always the most well-dressed man I knew. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for those. Um, but we both had the – at least we both shared the Coke bottle glasses. So yeah, we, we absolutely. I can see into the future. It was amazing. <laughs> we had that going for us, my man. Absolutely. Uh, so – Anyway, uh, Rehan, always such a pleasure. I know our listeners love listening to you. And uh, where can people uh, find out more about you, the work you do, um, get access to some of your um, some of your uh, writings? Um, actually, you can just go follow me on um, social media. It's always at Six Pack Diet Plan, so S I X uh, Pack Diet Plan on um, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Rehan Jalali, or thesixpackdietplan.com, and you can see it all. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ray. Uh, I, I, I don't know, uh, Zaki, if you had any closing thoughts? or. Yeah, I uh, just, you know, whenever I talk to you, I find myself overwhelmed, and uh, I, keep, I keep setting that goal. You know, I, I, <laughs> I see all the pictures that you have and everything, and it's always like, I really need to do this. Uh, so I'm hoping this is the year. It's never too late to be what you could have been. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nicely said. No, very nice. That. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you guys again for really having me, and I, I hope your listeners benefit. And again, I want you both and your listeners to have the absolutely best <laughs> Ramadan ever. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our conversations with Imam Tahir Anwar and Rehan Jalali. I know uh, we found them to be... Uh, very insightful and at the same time sort of just flew by very breezy conversations that we had with both of them. And, uh, as, uh, as, as Zaki mentioned at the outset, um, we definitely want to have Imam Tahir back on the show to sort of talk about his own very, very unique personal narrative, as well as I think he offers some very compelling insight, uh, into sort of that American Muslim experience that we do keep talking about on the show. So, um, uh, we hope that, uh, you, uh, enjoy your, the rest of your uh, month of Ramadan. That's not to say that we won't be seeing you again. We hope that we are able to bring you at least another episode uh, as like a, maybe an early Eid present towards the end of the month. This is true. We'll see right. what happens. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, anyway, so yeah, uh, all the best. Uh, if, uh, if you do want to reach out to us, um, please do email us at diffusecongruence at gmail.com. And you can also uh, visit our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Diffuse Congruence. And uh, yeah, please do share and like our, uh, our podcast. And also uh, do leave us a star rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Podbean, etc., where you do access your Google podcast. Play. Also, Google Play Music we are now on. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, all thanks to Zucky. So keeps putting up, uh, putting us up on these uh, various and sundry platforms. So we do appreciate that. And with that, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.